All right, well, then I guess we should get started, and we'll just have to understand that we may have uh, some dropped frames here. I think I think it's Comcast, unfortunately. <clears throat> Fuck Comcast. That is what I say every time. They like to do line work late at night, and I get it. <laughs> like, that's the little usage time, but yeah. despite my frequent requests, <laughs> they don't they don't tell me. So. Dude, that, that reminds me of a conversation I was having yesterday with a client. This guy did like 15 years. He got out, never really used a computer. I was helping him apply online for jobs. And dude's like, yeah, you know, I've only had a little time with a computer so far since I got out. And I have to admit, I prioritized Pornhub learning as my first objective. Well, <laughs> and I was like, my man. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you would expect otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully this isn't too bad. Right now, OBS is uh, reporting that we are dropping a pretty significant number of frames, and uh, I'm seeing some stuttering as I see the stream come back, so hopefully it's not too bad. Okay. <clears throat> well, as long as people can hear us, I mean, uh, personally, I've always been of the opinion that my appearance actually brings down the quality of the podcast. I only put our images up when we do this so that people tune out the uh, visual part and listen because they're like, oh, gods, so let's close our eyes. And then uh, they're they're focused in. So that makes sense. That makes sense. So welcome back to Fun and Interactive, the Legends podcast. Yeah, uh, we yeah. we had to take some time <laughs> off, right. but uh, we're we're back in action. I don't remember why we were off two weeks ago, but I do know. Oh, your house flooded or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> So I I had flooding, yeah, um, and then and then I got uh, I got uh, terribly sick actually. <laughs> yeah, and then what's even funnier is like you can't see it right now because of the camera being very well positioned, but literally everything else in my office is in disarray, and the walls are like I'm in my office with wet paint drying as we speak. So this has been going through a renovation. I've had a plumber at my house uh, yesterday and today. Uh, yeah. due to like tree root backups um what was it yesterday my toddler fell down the stairs but he's okay he broke the fall with his face so oh, no. oh, um no. that was a thing like it's been it's been chaos but okay well, i'm really glad we're back there's a lot to talk about and uh i have missed uh hanging out missed doing this 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 thing with you have have you missed Legends as well, or when you were ill, were you like playing on mobile in a bed? I did not. I did not play any Legends. I didn't do much of anything. A couple of the, several of the days, I was too sick to do anything at all. And uh, then when I got back into it, the very first games I played, I went ahead and recorded. The day I started getting back online, uh, I saw a post about Firepot Spider being in zero percent of decks on LegendsDecks.com, and so I recorded a video with Firepot Spider deck. See, that's interesting because I've actually ran into it on the ladder. Like, you can find it in a VOD. Um, nice. I, I beat that deck. <laughs> but I have seen it. So clearly yeah. whoever it was was not posting their deck on Legends decks. I mean, that makes sense. There's a certain amount of shame running that card. But I went I went full Rothgar here. I mean, I threw in uh, all sorts of cards you never see play from, you know, the Shrieking Horker or whatever that thing is. The Raging Horker. These are cards whose names I don't even remember off the top of my head. Listen, if there's one card name you remember, it's Raging Horker, all right? All right, my bad, dude. Raging Horker it is. Yeah, Raging Horker gives me a Raging Horker. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
I feel like we really missed out on some good memes on Valentine's Day by not posting Raging Corker comments. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, Bra- Brassilisk was on the deck. I didn't even know how that card worked. Turns out, it does not copy uh, items and effects you put. Yes, on. it is not Grim Patron. It is so I, right. It just copies. No matter what you do to the Brassilisk, you just copy a crappy little Brassilisk. Yeah. And I knew you were running it because I had people, like, I streamed the next day or something, and I had people say, like, hey, I played against Justin yesterday. He was running Brassilis. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it did not go very well. Like, I, I think I played six games, and I won three. I posted four of them. You know, three where I won and one where I lost. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that Brassilisk is, like, worth running, but I have seen people running Self-Harm Warrior and Self-Harm Crusaders because a Fearless Northlander is, yeah, like, I think better than advertised. Yeah, I, I mean, I got I got a 18-18 Fearless Northlander in one of my games, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. I also want to point out that even though I think that it's underutilized, I don't think now is the right time to use them because since you mentioned it... Uh, Valentine's Day has caused me a little bit of stress. Why is that? I have seen more Grizzly Gourmets in the last two weeks than I have in the entirety of that card existing. And this is as somebody who, like, I used to play it in my Token Crusader and my Token Mage as a tech card because nobody expected it. Right, Um, right, It just didn't see play, and now everybody got shiny alternate art ones, and it's everywhere. If you're running a deck that runs Daggerfall Mage, be aware that Grizzly Gourmets are everywhere. Do you think that speaks to like how desperate we all are for new content? <laughs> uh, I think it's a little bit of that, and I think it's just a little bit of just alternate art cards in general. Yeah, um, because it's not even like new content. I remember the last alternate art pack that we got with like Leaf Lurkers and Master of Arms and whatever. Yeah. Um, it had been like six months since I tried to build an item deck, but after we got that, I built a Master of Arms deck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's fair. It's your new shiny toy. You want to you want to use it. I don't I don't blame people. I'm just saying that it has caused me a lot of stress because I've had a lot of Daggerfall mages turn into sweet rolls. That's fair. So I've been playing a lot of Ultra Assassin as a result because uh, I don't care if a sweet roll is a sweet roll when I can journey and tell conscription. That makes sense. And get a 5-6 sweet roll. That makes sense. By the way, I just resubbed with my Twitch primary uh, sub thing. Well, hello. Yeah. It has not given the notification yet, though. Once again, you can direct your thanks to Man in the High Tower. <laughs> For the reason I have an Amazon Prime account. <laughs> yeah, my buddy keeps trying to get me to watch that, but I've got so many things like in the queue that I but haven't Jessica, made it that far. Jessica Jones season two is my next thing. I mean, yeah, that's that's like the immediate. If we weren't doing the podcast, that's what I would be doing right now. Um, if, we, if we were doing the podcast, I would be playing Stellaris. Well, sure. Yeah. It's pretty pretty goddamn exciting game. Actually, exciting is not the right word. It's not exciting at all. It's just incredibly addictive. <laughs> it's it's immersive. There you go. Immersive is how we say addictive without troubling people in the mental health field. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> hey, uh, not at all like a legends topic, but how about the uh, video games causing violence thing? Welcome to 1993. It's Dude, been I, a while. I know it's. Uh, it's like I don't even know where to begin right like 
my uh, I posted something on Twitter about it today, and I didn't want to get all like researchy and stuff because like one of the things we covered in one of my classes, it, you know, because I for people who don't know, I am a registered psychotherapist and like I I studied mental health counseling in undergrad and now in grad school, like. There, there's, there is no link between violent behavior and, and violent yeah. video games. <laughs> like, that's one whole one thing. What I posted today was sort of like my feelings about it, my own experiences about it, because I, I can't believe we're having this argument in 2018. Like, yeah, that we're blaming violent video games for violence in our culture is completely insane. I, I didn't post anything publicly, but yeah. um, I'll say this: like, one, one of the benefits of uh, this podcast and. Uh, you know, our time on this game is that I have the ability to send things to Pete Hines and I do not abuse it often. But today I just, I sent him a quick message to say, uh, I, I felt a little bit of relief when I saw the, the invites to the white house meeting, because I saw that Mr. Altman was going from Zenimax. And I just said, I I appreciate that because, you know, he's a measured person and I, I, but what I said to Pete was, uh, I know that there are plenty of studies and facts and all of these things that point to there being no correlation between, you know, violence and video games and actual violence. However, this is just one of those times where facts don't matter. Sometimes, sometimes you, you just have to be, uh, diplomatic. Uh, it took me a long time to learn that in life. I'll say this, like as a guy who... You know, my day job involves data. I've always considered myself, like, of a scientific mind, um, mm-hmm. even from a young age. I I like things that are, like, grounded in fact and, and so forth. And it took me a long time to realize that some people don't care about the numbers. They just want to trust their gut. And there's nothing more, like, personally infuriating to me, but it it's yeah. something that I have to, like, learn to live with and let go. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, I've discovered <laughs> that no, like knowing things and intelligence, I mean, even though they're not the same thing, like these things have uh, less practical application than one might hope. <laughs> uh, sounds like we're dropping some some frames though. <clears throat> By the way, I want to give a shout out to Maricon. Thanks for joining us tonight. And yeah, Man in the High Castle is legit. I love it. Yeah, it's on the list. I just haven't yeah. made it there. Like I haven't, uh, I haven't made it to Mr. Robot yet either. And that's another one that's on my list. Yeah, I haven't watched that, but I keep hearing good things about it. I've been trying to watch the new X Files, but like, some of the episodes are really entertaining, and some of them are just like. I cannot follow them no matter what. And I've seen every episode of the X-Files, but I just, I'm like watching them like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. So I'm struggling with it. So since we missed a couple of weeks, right? Right. We got a new monthly card. We did. We did. I love this card. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And it's really strong. (laughs) I agree it's really strong, um, but it's like strength in and, of, in and of itself isn't really super interesting to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Sora Revenge falls into that. Like, there's no there's no questioning Sora Revenge's power. Right. But I don't think that the card is very interesting, and I know that's like a personal thing. I'm sure there are people no. who love it, but like... 
it's stats and damage and it's just incredibly efficient and it does all of the things you want a card like that to do sure yeah. but the reason i like this card is because it's a it's a build around card that rewards you for stuff in your hand and right. so you're you're rewarded during the deck building phase but then you're also you know making decisions later right like during the mulligan phase like if you have uh that guy right Mm -hmm. And then you also have, I don't know why you would ever run them in the same deck, but just for argument's sake, like Odaving or something, you know, some high cost neutral right. card, gold brand, you know, Alduin, whatever. You right. then have to like make the decision, okay, if I mulligan this, I might not get the trigger. Um, right. Stuff like that where you're, you're creating interesting decisions and you're mm -hmm. rewarded for deck building. I'm always, always, always a big fan of. And so this, this card is fun. I agree. I like, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's versatile too, right? Like, yes, it just, it, it makes Dwemer deck, or like, heavy Dwemer deck stronger. It is a Dwemer, it creates a Dwemer, and it, uh, it's a neutral card, and blah, 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 blah. It's it's obviously good there, but I think that the, what, what's interesting about it is, you, you started to get into these, like, deck building kinds of questions, like, how many neutral cards do I need to run to reliably hit this on turn two, right? Mm -hmm. And... <clears throat> I like it a million times more than the how many blue cards should I run in my deck to trigger Cunning Ally and then, you know, hope that I trigger my Cunning Ally, right? Like, you, you're going to know whether or not you're going to be able to trigger your uh, st uh, Steam Conductor, con Constructor. I keep thinking about conductors and steam engines and trains. <laughs> <laughs> it's officially but, now, forever, now the Steam Conductor. Yeah, um, I can't help it. That's I'm what gonna... I called it. I'm going to bind a key to my soundboard that's just like a, a train choo-choo noise, and I'll play yeah. that every time I play the card. I mean, the, the the things you can do with this card are great, you know? Like, you can run it in a deck that wants to take advantage of three, po three power and three defense on the board on turn two or turn one with the ring just by running stuff like uh, Lurking Crocodile and... Uh, uh, voice of balance i know you and i have talked about running with it um you you yeah. really don't need too much support to just make it a really strong turn turn one or turn two play yeah the cards that immediately stuck out to me as like i felt were the obvious potential like combo build around like easy off off the cuff you know includes were voice of balance right for obvious reasons yeah. um but the other two that immediately came to my mind when i saw the card were crown quartermaster Yep. Because yep, of, because if you're going first, right, like you get the yeah. great lead in, and then it adds the dagger to your hand, yep. and then the other card that uh, I think sometimes people kind of sleep on a bit is crushing blow. Yep. So That's a good point. you know during core set there was a time where not only was crushing blow like almost ubiquitous because of the number of key creatures that had three health that you had to have an answer for. But it was right, played right. in a lot of decks just as a form of reach. Like, I ran three Crushing yeah. Blow in Token Spell Sword just because I oh, needed yeah. reach. Absolutely. And giving, giving a, you know, a deck something that can have, you know, three power and toughness as a, you know, a turn two play or a turn one play with the ring, it, you know, some reach is, is probably good, right? It's the sort of thing you want to do. So you're not even, like, really hurting yourself too much to, like, build around this card. I agree. Um, Alter. That was the other one that stood out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it in Assassin. That I mean like we're 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 hitting those in the head. And I like it in Assassin because I can I can justify running some uh some green support cards, which are which I want to use to trigger 
uh, Voice of Balance. I yeah. think that this is the sort of deck that maybe doesn't curve. May, I mean, maybe you don't go to Alter. Maybe you do, but uh, you can run it alongside Factotums in alt, in um, Archer. I'm sorry, in Assassin. And as far as support cards go, I was thinking Hidden Trail. Along with uh, the the pirate one, Corsair Ship. Oh, yeah, for the, the Voice of Balance. Yeah, I, I like Both the Alter cards. part just because it makes two bodies, right? And so Alter right. tends to love cards That's like true. that where you like you get a summon effect and then so you get like you know next turn when you cycle something uh through the altar you don't feel bad so yeah. in that case like it's you know i get a 2-2 two -two and a 1-1 one -one, and then even if they nuke the 2-2 two -two, then i can still cycle the 1-1 one -one through the altar like i just i think yeah. it has natural synergy in a deck like that as well um, I, agree. I agree i think that it also goes pretty well in uh sorcerer like the kind of yeah. decks that want hulking fabricant for example Yep, um, I can definitely see that. It's just a really cool card. I mean, for such a simple card, it's it's really interesting. It's the kind of card I like getting for monthly rewards because it makes people build new decks. Yeah, one of the ones that I was considering, just because, you know, other than like Wardcrafter, um, Support Mage doesn't do a lot to establish an early board presence. Yeah. But it does have a fair number of neutral cards. So I would be curious to see how well it would perform there specifically because it helps you like potentially trade and establish a presence early yeah. but also because if you're running like the support mage that runs wabajack um yeah. you know that free one one is a great target for That's just trying to get some free value you know what i mean i think you might be able to justify clockwork dragon in a certain kind of um support mage deck um I'm trying to think of other neutral cards you might run well, so I was thinking there's like Goldbrand, Wabajack. Goldbrand and Wabajack, um, definitely. You know, it's mostly come out lately, but, uh, you know, either of the, the 12 cost dragons, so like Parthenax yeah. or Odaving, um, yeah. aren't necessarily bad. I think you those. still run I think you still run Journey in Support Mage, too. Yep, Journey is another card that would fit that bill. So I think that there are uh, tools there. That's interesting. It's one of those cards, too, kind of like uh, Mechanical Ally, that you have to keep your eye on all the time when new cards are released because its power level is contingent upon the rest of your deck. So, like, I, I like cards that I'm going to revisit when we get new content. So, what was it, two nights ago? Uh, I played against somebody playing the new card. Yeah. And they were playing Token Spellsword. Nice. Uh, it, I guess I should call it, it was like Token Dwemer spell sword nice. so they had dwemer right mm -hmm. and then they also had um like treasure hunt the the willpower treasure hunt uh with treasure map to find the halls of the dwemer nice. and they also had kaguti fabricants yeah right Cards. to make Cards. more tokens Cards um, it was it was better than i thought it was going to be like it was a down to yeah. the knuckle game against something that you know should be kind of memey I had some surprising success with Monk Dwemer uh, on my <clears throat> on the first day of the season. Uh, beat a bunch of different kinds of decks, and um, you know, it's it's here's the thing: it's the one of the ultimate examples of like a curve out deck, right? Like you need to hit your pieces in order, or you're going to lose. And it, it, there's not a lot of room for error, and you also there are some glaring weaknesses. But when you curve out, you you have some of the most 
powerful things you can put on the board on those turns and you cap it off with a turn six Halls of Dwemer and like it's really really hard for your opponent to beat that back yeah would you consider maybe like an Alter Mage I've tried Alter Mage with the Atromancer Summoner guy the um the Conjuration Tutor yeah and no seven drops in the deck and you know I will say like it beats control decks <laughs> yeah well so hear me out right so i it's no secret i've been playing a lot of ultra assassin lately yeah, um yeah. i run the journey conscription combo in it but then i also because i'm running journey and conscription i run a lot of two drops and a lot of card draw and the idea is to make the best use of summon effects and to you know rifle through your deck and just generate long-term value and just do alter things right sure um but mage has you know arguably a better removal package uh -huh. and while you don't get like ungulum uh -huh. you could very easily trigger both this card and voice of balance potentially uh yeah. in yeah. an ultra mage deck because you in you right. know without ungulum you're running marked man marked man is another great way to yeah. trigger the new card because it's yeah. going to put the defenses into your hand right um it's it's interesting. I hadn't really considered Alter Mage. You could just basically run like the heavy removal package, and yeah. play it very similar to the Alter Assassin. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I might have given myself some homework for uh, games tonight. Actually, uh, I think we should probably address another thing that happened while we were gone, which is the journey to Savangard nerf or balance change. Re rework. I like to call it a rework. 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 I don't think it was uh, nerfed. There are certainly some decks that don't want to run it anymore, namely ones that did not build around it. But the ones that were building around, uh, you know, specifically the Tullius portion of the combo, I yeah. think are actually rewarded and better now. So uh, yeah, I'm still playing Alter Assassin post rework, and I think that that deck is actually better. Because now I can journey, and if my altar is at, um, you know, five charges, six charges, um, those cards that I was running a one or a two of, I'm guaranteed to get the big version of, right? Like, if, I, if I'm if i running a singleton copy of, you know, Sheer Point Dragon, for example, or a singleton Wisp Mother, and I've got an altar that's at six or at seven, if I journey and then use my activation, I get a giant wisp mother back like immediately it's been very very good for me in in mm -hmm. a deck like that yeah i like it i i you know i i we, we all agree it's stronger in in alter now um i i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of the sorts of i'll be honest like even though the first thing i did with talisa's conscription was put a deck full of charge creatures together <laughs> <laughs> and uh try to do like 40 damage to people in one turn i'm not a huge fan of that style of gameplay and i know we kind of have some difference of opinion about the role of combo decks uh or how we feel about combo decks i don't really like that kind of thing personally uh especially in a game without i, th I think the, the game lacks the necessary interaction on your opponent's turn and in general with your opponent's hand to combat strategies that are playing playing solitaire basically you know yeah and uh I don't mind that not being a thing anymore. 
I think that the, the card serves its original function again now, which is to extend the game and control on control matchups and provide you know dramatic advantage to a control deck playing one versus a deck a control deck that's not. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Well, so you know, I love combo decks. When I played Magic, combo was always my go-to format. I think my favorite deck to play, like when it was in standard anyway of all time, was Dragonstorm. Like I loved yep. the nuance of it. But yeah. we've talked about this in the past. I love combo decks, right. but I don't think that there's ever going to be um, like tier one combo decks in a game like this uh, for very long. Like they might surface, but they won't stick around because it's just like you said, there is no interaction and nobody likes to feel like uh, one, they, like they lost and they had no control over it. They don't want to feel like they're playing solitaire. They don't want to feel like the game is who drew their combo first. Um, right. So I'm not saying combos won't exist, but they won't ever be existing in a form where they're consistent enough. Because yeah. the other thing is, is like if you can consistently pull your combo and then you just win the game and you take away the interactive part from your opponent, right. um, then that's just that's just a race and it's not fun to play against and it becomes almost oppressive so you know right. combo decks like you know wisp raiders for example are really you know kind of difficult and complex to pull off so they're allowed to stick around but something like this that's like a two card combo that most of the time will just win you the game is is just not gonna stick around um yeah i agree now now and in the future i i expect there to be combo decks in the future but if I had to guess, I think that they're going to be more like Unstoppable Rage style decks where you either get like a mini combo off mm. or it takes some level of multi-turn setup because if it, if, as long as it takes more than one turn, then you give your opponent the ability to interact in, in the in-between moments, right? Like, yeah. um, you know... Ring and Amira, Double Dawn Star Healer kind of fits that bill just because of the costs involved. Now, like, you can set that up with completed contracts and whatever and technically do it from hand. But even yeah. that means you, you spent more than one turn setting it up, right? But that right. idea of, you know, you had to put something in play, wait, and then if your opponent didn't answer, then maybe you win. I think that in the future will be more like the uh, the combo decks that we see. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> I'm really happy with uh, with the nerf for, with, the, with the balance change, and, and to the, to the, uh, the to the comment, uh, Corvus some Branox says Journey's unplayable now. I don't think it's unplayable. I think it's a very niche card now that that, it, that is going to be really good in, in a couple decks that don't necessarily yeah. see a ton of play. I think like it's still find an altar, and I think you still play it in Doomcrag Warrior as well. Yeah. I agree. I think that uh, you can make a case for it in any number of singleton decks. I think you can make a case for it in... I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, let's say that uh, Support Mage gets big. The Support Mage deck that runs uh, Journey to Sovngarde wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because then they can get a second one off their... Uh, <laughs> off their uh, library and go nuts. But, yeah, I... I, I I think the balance is good for the health of the game. Yeah, I think uh, Pete Crichton in chat kind of hits the, the nail on the head. Journey is necessary if you're running any sort of deck where you're in danger of running out of cards because of self-milling or cycling. 
So, yeah. you know, Pete mentions Namir Shrine. Again, that's what I meant when I said the Doomcrag deck. So if you're not familiar, there's a Control Warrior deck that utilizes Doomcrag Vampire and a lot of very cheap uh, pings or like Nord Firebrands to, you know, kill your opponent's creatures. But then you're because you're playing cheap things, you keep drawing cards with Namir Shrine. And eventually you've drawn most or if not all of your deck. And then you play Journey to Savangard to refill it. And everything, even without the reduced cost of Journey, because everything was just by the nature of the deck, was already cheap. Now when you draw them, you're still getting cheap stuff, just now it's bigger, right? So um, you've, got, uh, you've got that as an option. And then uh, Ultra decks are the same way, but different thing. Instead of drawing cards, you're pulling them out with the, you know, Ultra of Despair. So it's not uncommon to... You know, very quickly find yourself with like 10 cards left in your deck when your opponent still has, you know, 25 or 30. Um, so the journey is a, hey, we shuffle it all back in and get value. Those are the times where I think that you're still going to play journey uh, yeah. going forward. I just I just don't like any neutral card that's an auto-include in decks. I guess there's another way I'm about to look at it. Um, yeah. So we touched on journey. We touched on combo. Touched on the new monthly card. I know there's something you're dying to talk about. What else? What else we got? Well, um, you know, I miss you. I miss you too, Charmer. It'd be really <laughs> cool. It'd be really cool if someday we could actually like hang out. Yeah, I think we should do that sometime in the near future, for sure, before you get married. <clears throat> I agree, and I'm getting married May 12th, so we don't have a lot of time to work with. Yeah, we should. We should get on that. We probably should. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the future, um, we are at that point where we like where new content is going to drop in the relatively near future. We don't have any information about when exactly yet, but we've been told repeatedly that it's coming, right? Yes. And so we're kind of at this that that point in the meta where. People are either playing really refined versions of decks, um, or they're playing intentionally not playing them. I guess would be the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the best way to describe the bet at the point at this point. Yeah, you're either running mid slash aggro Joe Trader Warrior, or you're running Firepot Spider, and there's not much in between. Yeah, and that's that's cool. I, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who feels like this though. When I hop on the ladder and like I run into a mono neutral deck like that. Look, I mean that, again. That, I've been playing Ultra Assassin. <laughs> right. That touches me. That touches my heart. And I love that shit. Because those are the games that I want to play, right? And now we're going to get a ton of that whenever we get new content. Because the first couple of weeks of a new expansion are my absolute favorite time to play the game. Because everybody's playing all sorts of crazy stuff. Except for the couple Killjoys who run Prophecy Battle Mage. But, like, we are at that point now where we were with... I'm, I'm thinking, like, right before... Fall of the Dark Brotherhood came out, right? And it was what well, back then it was what item sorcerer? It was no, that was Merrick. Just before Fall was Merrick everywhere. Atromancer was okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was basically like mid sorcerer and Merrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, right before Skyrim came out, that okay. was a lot of Control Monk and yep. Rage Archer. Yep. And uh, you could make the argument that things have, that right before the patch that changed some of, that nerfed some of the cards in uh, Token Crusader, you know, where things feel kind of settled. Yeah. 
And this is just sort of the cycle of things coming in and out of the game, or well, coming into the game. We've never had anything leave the game, really. Not yet. <clears throat> Not yet. I mean, like, I, I think we said, you know, we've talked before how set rotation and that sort of thing is an inevitable part of uh, a, a game's long life, but um, you know, we're at that point now where, where things aren't, they're not solved 100%, but like, you know what the best decks are, generally speaking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you get to the high legend ranks, people are tech, and you know, there may be a little bit more diversity sometimes because people are teching for the super high, high win rate decks. But, uh, if you want to win on the ladder, you know what to play today, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I certainly have like two or three decks that, like, if I wanted to sit down and climb, I just I know which decks to queue up, and then yeah, if I want to like mess around, then I'm doing what I normally do. <laughs> real quick, real quick though, like whenever I feel like actually laddering, like climbing up the ladder real quick, or like if it gets the end of the month and I haven't done it, I still play orc warrior, like warrior orcs, like aggro, because I feel like or you know real fast mid range, whatever you want to call it. I still feel like that deck's a good laddering choice. I don't know that it's the best thing to get you to the high ranks of the game necessarily, but I still think you're going to see a high win rate with that deck. Just because Sower and Headhunter are good in every deck you put them in. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Turns out, the, <laughs> turns out five five Magicka for five damage on a body is is good. Yeah. But this this is just a totally normal part of the evolution of a season, you know, of a game. You know, I say season, not like a monthly season, but like a you know a set season yeah yeah and we're coming we're coming to the end and it's exciting but there's like two things that are a part of this right the first is we're gonna get something and things will inevitably shake up and we're gonna have a lot of fun yeah yeah but there's also like what i would like to say is the uh you have to set your expectations and i think that it was best reflected with return to clockwork city um in this fashion as well but just like in general i think you have to set your expectations that like the day a new set drops isn't the day that things change right not like not necessarily it's a usually a month later yeah like in truth you don't see like the full meta shift until like throughout the the course of a month like i mean you'll see you'll see new stuff day one don't get me wrong yeah. but like the meta itself right. isn't isn't going to change because um one like your archetypes are still going to exist you know when we just had core set we had mid-range decks we had control decks you know we had aggro decks and then we got follow the dark brotherhood and then we had different mid-range decks and different control decks and different aggro decks but they were still kind of the same just with new stuff in them right and the same thing again kind of happened with uh you know here is a skyrim and so you know when we do get uh, our next big like pack based set for example that's like here is a skyrim yeah. Um, you know, if you're, if you're hoping that we're going to get a new influx of cards to like what I would say drastically change things, I would just caution that with the very first thing that most players are going to do. Not everybody. You'll get people like Ray Ray that's going to do something crazy, right? But the thing that most players are going to do is they're going to take whatever their favorite deck or their tried and true deck was, and they're going to put in a couple of the new cards that they can like very easily identify or powerful, and they're going to try them out. It's going to be like throwing Bleak Coast Troll in the Sorcerer, right? Yeah. Nothing wild. I got one new powerful card. I know this list works for me. I'm going to try it. And it's going to be like that for a bit until um, you get the people that experiment and they try some things. And uh, 
then they beat people. Like usually the the thing that at least for me personally, the thing that makes me want to try a new deck more than anything is when I got my teeth kicked in by it, right? And we saw that like wildfire with Unstoppable Rage. People yeah. lost to Unstoppable Rage and went, "What the fuck just happened?" And yeah. then they went and tried it. You know, you know, it's funny you mentioned like there's still going to be the mid range decks, the control decks, and stuff. I'm trying to think of like times where like a new idea came into the meta. I think I think Rage Archer and Rage Warrior are two examples of just like new deck, like new types of decks almost, right? Yeah, like, ultra yeah, decks. I, I think that Rage Archer is fundamentally a control deck, but like it, it, it there was nothing like that deck before it came out. See, it's funny because it's a control deck now, but at the height of its popularity, it was a mid-range deck because everybody played mid-range archer. Mid-range archer used to be a staple. It was a very powerful archetype. And right. so what, the, and that was a deck that was already running like pre-nerfed belligerent giants and so forth. So yeah. that was, that was a time where you could very easily just throw unstoppable rage into your mid-range archer and probably get some value from it. I, I think, I think it's evolved over time into the control decks that we see it now but i think right. i think that's actually maybe one of the best examples of what i'm trying to illustrate is that um people are going to start by taking what they see are very obviously powerful cards and then throwing right. them into something familiar i can see that I'm trying to think of other new ideas i mean in some ways i think support mage was a new idea yes it's a control mage deck but it functions very differently than yep control mage decks that are running 35 of the same 50 cards yeah i think support mage falls in that category i think alter decks fall in that category and they yeah. also were not so the uh, things that were like widespread day one you know right. support and, mage and, creeped up way later right and, and the last like new deck idea i think that i can think of is the the uh decks that abuse the three drop one one equips whatever you equip to another item blue guy Oh yeah, Gardener. Yeah, Gardener, yeah, Gardener Swords. I think that's the, and I think Alter. I think that Gardener Battle Mage, Gardener Mage, Gardener Assassin. Gar I mean, we've seen them all. Yeah. I think those were a new type of thing. Oh yeah, for sure. And now they've kind of evolved almost into combo decks, right? Like that's the where you see those decks anymore. Is yeah. the decks that try to just go absolutely nuts with a Master of Arms. Yeah, but they weren't. Again, that's that's a great observation. They weren't that to start. Because no, they, they, they were, were kind of like were... mid-rangey item decks that just tried right. to get extra value out of it. Right, and then over time they they streamlined, they became, you know, more, they maximized their strengths and they became these combo decks. Yeah. So I'm <clears throat> I'm kind of looking forward to that same evolution, right? Because you know we're going to go through it. You're going to have, Absolutely. you know, you know what's interesting? Part of me wonders if if the psychology behind why this meta shift occurs the way it does is that people enjoy what's familiar to them. And part of me wonders if it's the nature of the way cards are previewed because we get those like preview cards, uh, you know, that we get to showcase yeah. and release one at a time. And, you know, you during a reveal time, you might get like one or two a day or whatever. So yeah. when you, I think that's a huge part of it. When you see a card for the first time, you're seeing it in isolation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you see, like, let's just say like cast into time. You see cast into time for the first time and you start thinking, this is how I'm going to use cast into time. And yeah. then all these other cards come out and are revealed and then the set drops and, and so forth. Yeah. But you're not thinking about it. Um, I mean, you, you are, but it's 
it's not the same, right? You're not thinking about it in the, like, how does this interact with all of the other new things that are out there now and so forth? Right. Like, you just think about, like, this is the one card and this is, you know, it, right. how I would use it if it were re released today. I can, I, and I appreciate it like that, though, because, I mean, imagine if on one day of the Fall of the Dark Brotherhood previews, they previewed Unstoppable Rage, uh, Astrid, um, Eclipse Baroness, and uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and the Crossbow or Sanctuary Pet. Or... And the Crossbow, Sanctuary Pet, and uh, Brotherhood Slayer, right? Yeah. Imagine they previewed all those cards in the same day, right? Yeah. Like, takes away some of the, the, the joy and the, <laughs> the fun of, like, coming up with the deck that runs all those yeah. cards together. I, I got a series of card reveals for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Drain Vitality, Soul Terror, Word Wall, Graveyard. <laughs> hey, we previewed some cards. Yeah. Think of something to do with them. <laughs> wasn't it? So I, I think it was Dragon Tamer Blade who revealed Word Wall, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, I think so. that was his preview card. And I remember thinking when he revealed that, like, wow, depending on what the shouts are, this could be like the most powerful card in the set, right? Like, or it could just be total garbage. You know, because who knows, yeah. right? But I remember having that thought as I sat in front of my computer when I was supposed to be working and thought to myself, like, this is the kind of card that I have a lot of thinking to do. And I'm going to look, I look forward to more previews. You know, I got more yeah. engaged seeing that card in isolation. Yeah. But then when the set came out, right, It was it the first thing that you turned to or did you turn more towards, like, the single cards that were... Well, the first decks I recorded with after that set came out were Dragon Sh Dragon Scout, yeah, and th and then uh, and then Werewolves, yeah. But look, I mean, don't turn to me, people, for what you should be playing or what you should expect yourself to be playing when a new expansion comes out. <laughs> yeah, no, I I just want I I just kind of wanted to point out because there's been plenty of cards where I've said like. Yeah. You know, in my reviews, this card has the potential to be really good depending on what else is revealed. And then, right. like, Clockwork, I just forget about it, you know? There, there's a little bit of the ooh shiny system during reveal season as well, where, you yeah. know, you go, this looks really cool, I can't wait to build... Oh, look at this new thing that was revealed the next day, and... That's true. That's true. You, you just forget it. Clockwork City is an interesting expansion, right? I, I, I feel like it stands alone amongst all the expansions in terms of, like, my feelings about it. Because there is definitely some interesting cards in there that are standalone powerful that go into di lots of different decks, but it, it the whole thing feels so specialized in a way. I mean, like it it's uh, I feel like it was a set for I don't even know how to articulate this. I guess it's the set that I have the most conflicting feelings about. Like now, you know, like I think the story sure. mode is genius. I think the story mode is genius and a lot of fun to play, but um. As far as successful entry into the meta goes, I don't know. You know, Clockwork Scorpions had a huge impact. Um, a couple of the other cards have had a huge impact, but Clockwork City is an interesting one. Do you, do you want to know what I think it is? And this was the reservations I had for a long time, because you, you do have the subset of people that just love the neutral stuff, and you get yeah. the people that are like, you know, I want mono neutral support, and I want this, and it... It's very yeah. fair, in my opinion, to say that Clockwork City was a neutral focused set. We got factotums and, you yeah, know, fabricants. fabricants and things like that. But um, the problem with neutral from like a balance and like keeping the meta under wraps perspective is that it yeah. can't be 
too good. Like, it has right. to, like, inherently be one of two things. It has to be underpowered mm-hmm. because you don't want something... It's just like you said before. You don't want something that's neutral that's just an auto-include in every deck. It doesn't right. make the decks feel diverse and unique. It doesn't make the attributes right. feel diverse and unique. Yeah. Um, but then also... So the other way that you get around that is you can print powerful stuff, but it has to be like the factotums that are hyper synergistic and require you to include a package. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like I include this really powerful card. Like Voice of Balance is another good example. Like Voice of Balance is really powerful, but yeah. you kind of have to include like a package to make it work. And yeah. so that's that's kind of the bane of neutral cards in a nutshell in many ways is they either have to be underpowered. Yeah. But allowing you to do like I like neutral cards that are underpowered but allow you to break the rules of your attributes, right? Like even yeah, though it doesn't see play, I love the design philosophy of Knife to the Throat, or whatever it's called. The the yeah. card that silences I something totally and draws a card, because it gives totally it gives access to silence to everything, but it's clearly underpowered, so you have to weigh that cost of, is it worth it to me yeah. to get access to something I wouldn't normally have? Um, and, and I, I think that's along, Neutral's home. Along with that, I, I think that... I think if we go back and we look read about some people's responses to the knife to the throat when that card was revealed, I think a lot, there was a, a number of people who were upset that silence was moving into neutral. Yeah. Yeah, vicious drag is right up there as well, right? Like, right. you know, well, vicious, vicious drag used to be a lot more necessary than it is now. Well, that's because we had an elixir of magicka and not a ring of magicka. Um, but, but yeah, like it's um. It's 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 so hard, right? Because that's what, in my opinion, that's kind of where neutral cards have to live. It either has to like require some sort of uh, package or sacrifice to make it work, or it has to be like almost purposefully underpowered or just very vanilla, like Crushing Blow. I don't think Crushing Blow is necessarily underpowered. It's just very vanilla, because right. you don't want something that's going to, you know, be just like downright amazing and auto include in every deck. I agree. Yura the Fox just uh, mentioned <clears throat> Dwarven Dynamo, which is... Uh, I, I I think Dwarven Dynamo is one of the strongest cards in the game that you really only run in a very specific couple of decks, but I love Dwarven Dynamo. It is a absolute powerhouse in my Centurion grinding deck. Yes. Dwarven Dynamo is an amazingly strong card. And it's really good when you're running Mono Neutral and you have, like... A, you have it stick for a turn and then you have, like, triple... A night to remember the following turn oh absolutely i did that to one poor soul once and swung oh, no. for so much <laughs> oh um sorry i'm about to cough um so we have something you really wanted to talk about tonight yeah um I mean, I think that we would be remiss to not mention it just because we've already talked about it a few times in the past on po- on the podcast. And though we are certainly uh, are and probably always will be for a while anyway, uh, a, a Legends focused cast. Right. Um, Legends, Bitcoin, and... Uh, Tide Pods. Tide Pods and Shots at the President, yes. Yeah. Um, we got some big news uh, in the world of card games and that is that Valve yes. finally started re- revealing details about their upcoming game, Artifact. Right. And a lot hey, of real, it... Real quick, while you describe this, I need 30 seconds to take some medication. <laughs> sure. Um, 
So if you're not familiar, Artifact is being produced by Valve. It's going to be set in the Dota universe, and we didn't really know anything else prior to the announcements. However, we now know a lot, and a lot of it is stuff that we had predicted, and a lot of it is stuff that people did not know uh, publicly. So the stuff that we predicted is they're going to give it a heavy uh, esports focus. They have already announced a $1 million tournament in 2019. Uh, we know that the game will come out sometime in 2018. Uh, we know that Steam uh, market trading and so forth for the cards is going to be a thing. It will not be free to play. Like you have to like buy in for your packs, um, and then they will basically be like digital assets, and then you will sell them and or trade them on the Steam secondary market. Uh, that might scare some people off, but it is a very interesting and unique take for a digital game. Um, and a lot of that stuff was kind of already predicted. Um, but we got to see some screenshots and some gameplay videos. The game takes place on like three different boards and there's some kind of interesting mechanics. But for me, I think uh, the big news that was not public was that the game is basically from the ground up designed by Richard Garfield, who is the guy that founded Magic and many other games as well. Um, that's That was not something that like anybody, uh, at least publicly, had shared or was on many people's radar so that that's really interesting that's the part that excites me right like it's i mean like magic has changed a lot in 25 years but the the idea behind it is almost completely unchanged right there's been one new card type introduced in 25 years that richard garfield didn't design himself you know what i'm saying yeah and the other thing like I don't know, like, there's been, like, press releases, and uh, like you would expect, many of it's going to be, you know, hype-oriented and marketing and things like that, but um, the thing that intrigues me the most and the thing that I have read multi from multiple sources now is that uh, this game was actually something that Garfield designed and then brought to Valve. It's not like Valve contacted Garfield and said, like, we want you to make a, a card game out of our MOBA. Um, it's actually the exact opposite. The, the story that's floating around right now is that Richard Garfield basically said, like, hey, there's all these things that I've learned from card games and creating games over the years. Um, digital card games are certainly a, a big thing now, and there's some things that I think that aren't being done and then can be done. And so he set forth to, like, make a game. Um, no IP, no lore, nothing, right? Just, like, I, he, he's like, I'm going to make a game. And then after he'd figured out how he wanted it to play and how the mechanics were going to function, he then reached out to Valve and said, hey, I think this could be a good fit as a card game for your your Dota universe because some of the things, some of the things parallel the way a MOBA works. But it, supposedly this was a from the ground up Garfield project that just happened to land at Valve. Um, and so that so, to me, that's exciting. As somebody who's just like into card games and designing, like, you know, I've played Dota, but I'm not like a huge Dota fan. And so I was like, eh, but like a, a solidly designed game is something that I will certainly try and I am interested in. So I think it's obvious that uh, that Artifact is stealing the idea of lanes from Legends and they're trying to oh, ratchet, sure. yeah. ratchet, ratchet up the uh, intensity by adding a third lane. Um, I, I don't th I don't think that uh, I don't think that we should stand for this sort of blatant thievery. Yeah. And I don't want to like super do this for self-promote 
because I don't typically do that here, but uh, if you're interested in details about the game um, and you have not yet joined my Discord, I started a section specifically for Artifact in there, and I've posted a lot of like links to articles, links to YouTube videos, um, things like that. So, because I don't want to like cover all of the specifics here on this cast, but like if you're interested, um, I would strongly suggest like you know go check it out. Hit that, uh, hit that Discord channel and you can like play catch up. But it it certainly looks interesting. All the mechanics and things I've seen, uh, the animations I've seen. So it runs on the Source 2 engine. Um, it's another thing that I find really interesting is Valve has not done a mobile game yet, but they plan to do it because Source 2 can run on iOS and Android and so forth. Um, so that was kind of big news. Um, but... One of the reasons I wanted to talk about it, specifically in how it relates to Legends, is... Well, there's actually two reasons, but one of the reasons is... Um, there's a lot of press coverage on certain aspects, but one of the things that uh, Gabe said in an interview, I was watching it on YouTube, is that the the in-game client is going to include like an in-game tournament mode and uh, an in-game spectate mode that he specifically said like will be better than the Twitch viewing experience. Like he wanted it to be um, more like uh, immersive and all-encompassing like as, as opposed to just watching one player's point of view. And the reason that stood out to me and it's probably not standing out to the people in the press is because Justin and I had Pete Hines on this podcast and he said way back then one of the reasons that they're waiting to like really kick off the esports thing for legends is that there are things they want to do to support tournaments like a better spectate mode like an in-game tournament client and it was just it was cool because you know somebody like valve and you know them saying hey this is important for an esports scene um to me is just like you know gratification or i don't know like reinforcement that you know pete and bethesda and direwolf were already on the right track right that they're not the only people doing it that they weren't just saying like we're waiting on these things as some form of an excuse these are legitimately important and they had identified it way back then um you know clearly valve has also thought it was important because their game plans to uh, uh, implement it and include it so i i just that was like a Legends tie-in as I've been reading through some of the news stuff about the announcements that um, kind of made me excited for, you know, what we got coming in the future. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, I, San, when San, Sandra and I were driving today and we were, she was asking what we were talking about on the podcast tonight and I mentioned to her that Artifact had just had this announcement and uh, something I, I saw, I had seen something about a million dollar tournament in 2019 for the game or something like yeah. that. And uh, I said, I'm sure that there's going to be people who are in the Legends community who complain about how, like, where's our million-dollar tournament, right? And so I was talking to Sandra about how... Uh, I, 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 told, I talked to her about the history of Elder Scrolls Online, right? From where it started to where it is today as one of the most successful MMOs out there. And... Uh, she asked me if she th if, if I thought that the Legends community was in general a little bit older than the uh, community for say Hearthstone or for Hand of the Gods or whatever and I said that I didn't know but I felt like it probably was and uh, and to that like the reason for that that I said that and the reason I think she was asking is because like 
the way that Bethesda has run ESO, Elder Scrolls Online, and the way they seem to be approaching Legends is a much slower, less immediate gratification kind of kind of grind, right? And uh, th they've seen success with that that approach before, and and I think you know from what everything we ever hear from you know AJ and Matt and everybody is that uh, the Legends community is continuing to grow, right? Like. I, I think that their approach works for them and for this game, and it's not the million-dollar tournaments right out of the gate scene. But we, the most recent example we have in his uh, uh, in card gaming online card gaming history of a of a group coming out of the gate strong with a huge tournament is Hand of the Gods, which turned out to be a really awful game that most people don't play <laughs> yeah. anymore. Right? I mean, like they soared up there and then they crashed right back down. Yeah. So. I, I, I like the pace at which we're moving. I think, you know, things could be faster, and I'd be happy with that, too. But, I, I mean, we just saw an announcement today on Reddit from... Uh, yeah, we got our patented announcement of an announcement from g Right, right. Uh, we got an announcement. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. But he, he, had, he had to know that that was coming, right? Like, how have we yeah. not... Here, here's what I want to pose to the Legends community, gang. It's been a running joke for a long time, the announcement of an announcement. And there is some truth to that. Like, sure. Yeah. It's because Bethesda, historically, not just with Legends, but with a lot of their titles, they keep things very close to the vest until they're ready to, to display. So they are prone to, uh, from, you know, time and again, to do the announcement of an announcement. But how have we not, like, actually had our official meme for that? Like, our, our image you know what i mean like there should be an image and a phrase and it's just posted every time that it comes up you should be able to see this image and think announcement of announcement like i think of you know the the herald memes where you know it's got the old guy from the you know stock photos and every time i see that guy i know that i'm secretly like dying inside because that's mm -hmm. just herald i need i need the announcement of announcement equivalent in my life legends and or bethesda related things and i need somebody to make that for me i got you fam <laughs> <laughs> i got you i got some ideas that's all i gotta say i'm yeah. not spoiling i'm not yeah. spoiling my plans. sure <laughs> i also if you guys don't know i made a picture of justin's like facial reaction into a meme and i need more of that in my life oh yeah absolutely Tallulah still does it every now and then. That's true. That's true. That person has not been a guest, uh, has not been in chat for our podcast for a while. Yeah. Hope everything's okay. I think they stopped playing. <laughs> it's hard telling. They still send me cat photos. <laughs> yeah, I know. CVH, I tell you what, CVH starts in like five days, right? Yeah. The very first thing that happens when CGA, CVH announces that he started is uh, I'm going to start filling his inbox on Twitter full of messages about where's my competitive scene. <laughs> oh, I know. There's going to be a massive trolling. But I also, yeah. here, here's the thing. I was saying this uh, in some Discord chat the other day. I forget which one. But we need to set some proper expectations about that. Listen, guys, I love CVH. And I think he's yeah. going to do a great job. Yeah, but, but so everybody knows, Charmer and I talk to him on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're not, you know, we, we like to rib or whatever, but, like, I, I legitimately like CVH. He's a great guy, and we talk on a semi-frequent basis. So uh, right. do not think – I think his hiring is great. I think he's going to do a great job. 
I agree. Do not think that the minute he shows up, things are going to suddenly change. Do not think that things are going to massively become more transparent. Do not think that the uh, quantity and quality of communication is going to drastically change. Like, I'm sure CVH will be very involved. Um, right. But he was already involved in the community. He was already very present. Um, right. He is still going to be hired by Bethesda and uh, you know, he will only be allowed to say what he is allowed to say um, and he will do his best to support us. But um, don't think that there's going to be an overnight change because Bethesda has done their style of marketing and their style of business for like decades at this point. And uh, also don't think that CVH is suddenly turning on you because he got there and is not like super forthcoming or that he got there and we don't immediately have a tournament scene like right you know let's let's exercise some patience let's be adults let's yeah no we'll be all right. yeah i just we'll be... i i say this because i saw a couple of a couple of people mention like hey once cvh gets there maybe we'll you know xyz and i was like whoa 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 if you think that we need to we need to set some proper expectations here because, again, this isn't just a Legends thing. Like, I want to make this clear. Like, Bethesda's been like this for a long time. Like, I remember uh, when they announced Fallout Shelter, right? Like, the silly mobile game. They literally... Nobody knew that that was coming until, like, they announced that at E3. And then they were like, oh, by the way, it's available for download right now. You know what I mean? Like, they snuck an entire game, like, into the App Store and announced it to the world with no prior hype or whatever. And it got millions of downloads like that week or whatever. But that's that's just the Bethesda way. You'll know when they want you to know, and then it will be ready very, very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that standard too when we were talking about this. Yeah. They're a little bit different, and that's okay. It works for them. I mean, shit. They're, they're games sell millions of copies. Yeah, I, I saw they got like the Metacritic Award or whatever for their their published games this year like they were the highest rated like publisher yeah. yeah they had a lot of good games that came out this year though like let's be honest they did like because prey was this year right and wolfenstein and i mean legends actually came out in 2017 <laughs> oh yeah uh no yep. oh yeah yeah i guess the official launch was yes it did <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, know, I always forget about that too because i've been playing for like two fucking years now <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yep. Man. It was a good year, man. Yeah, it was, I guess it did come out in like March of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. My birthday was last Sunday. Yeah, I know. What did you do on your birthday, Justin? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I laid in bed. Let's leave it a bit. I was not feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you, saw, for, for those of you who don't know, I'll spoil it. It involved Tide Pods. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, Sunday I was in and out of the doctor's office. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, like, here's what I have in front of me right now. Hold on, this isn't even all of them. Yeah, this this is what's going on here. <laughs> I'm yeah. Very sick. And. Uh... <laughs> this, this this is what I have in front of me. Yeah. If you're paying attention at home, that is a Wabajack. Very nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good times, man. Yeah. Now, what did I? What did I actually? Did I? Did I do anything fun on my birthday? No, you didn't. Like you didn't even respond to me. That's how I knew that you were dying. Yeah. I was off social media for like three days. When I finally got on the computer, one of the first things I did was reach out to you because, like, when I was like dying, I like I was like Sandra, message drummer, please. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I, I spent most of Saturday sitting in a, in a hot bathtub or a shower and, like, writhing in pain. It, it was just, yeah, it was just... I felt it felt really weird, like, chatting with Sandra. Not because, you know, not because of any particular reason. It was just more of a, yeah. like, I have a particular banter with you. And, right, right, right. like, when she told me that you were ill, I wanted to make jokes. But there was the part of me that went, I don't know if Sandra will find these acceptable. I feel like she will, because otherwise she wouldn't be with Justin. Right. But I don't know. So like, there's that moment of anxiety. Like, I know yeah, what yeah. I would say to Justin right now. And he yeah. would not, like, you know, yeah. blink. He'd be like, okay, well, that's that's how Charmer shows his love. But right, right. there was, like, a moment of reservation when I was like, oh, maybe maybe yeah. I shouldn't say this to Sandra. It's all good. Once once we ruled out appendicitis, like, it, it, it was clear I wasn't going to actually die. Like, it, it's funny in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like when my kid fell down the stairs, like, right. you know, I it's funny in retrospect now because the way uh, my right. wife describes it was that there was, she looked up and there there was just an airborne toddler. She says that he literally, he, he like tumbled forward, he was at the top of the stairs and he tumbled, but it's yeah. not like, uh, you know, stunt double action movie, like they rolled down the stairs. She was like, no, he just like, he went airborne and then his face broke his fall, like... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Really scary at the time. Really kind of funny now. I understand. Charmer and Sandra podcast? I, I don't think Charmer and Sandra should do a podcast. I think that MC, a.k.a. Mrs. Charmer, who does sometimes guest stream, um, I make her play horror games because it's just, for me, my enjoyment personally. I think she's very funny when she plays horror games. Uh, but I would like to see a... a uh, swims at night and mc <laughs> podcast maybe we'll do that one night maybe we'll we should we should get them in on this maybe it'll be the fun and interactive double date podcast does your wife know how to play legends <laughs> no gods no yeah neither does sander <laughs> this is perfect yeah <laughs> sander doesn't like card games which is totally fine. my wife doesn't really like card games either like the only one i can get her to play is like flux um and she also is very like she's competitive to the point where she just doesn't want to do anything unless she knows she'll be good at it right away like i remember one of our very first dates when we were younger uh i took her bowling and it yeah. was one of the worst experiences of my life because she was miserable because like i was a good bowler and she was not and so she just had no fun and i was like oh well apparently we can't try new <laughs> things because that's funny yeah, uh, Sandra and I play a lot of uh, Clank, <clears throat> the board game made by the guys yeah. who make Legends, and uh, she beats me nine times out of ten. Would you say you win nine games out of ten? Nine and a half. Sandra says she would say ten out of ten. Um, <clears throat> she's really good at gaming. Uh, she just doesn't like the same games I like. Yeah, Sophie loves card game or uh, board games. Excuse me. She's not really a fan of card games, but. Um, yeah. when I used to do like my weekly game night with my buddies far more frequently, uh, there were times where she would participate. Like she loves Settlers of Catan. Uh, she mm -hmm. really likes, uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. I don't know if you ever played that, but that's actually a lot of fun. 
Um, no, I don't actually have any friends to play board games with. Yeah, well, we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, we should try to fit in a board game if we were to hang out sometime in the near future. I mean, we should do that. I need to figure out a way. Like, I just got to get the equipment so that we can do it like over the broadcast. You know, like set up cameras. That'd be sweet. You know, at some point I'm gonna have to replace the uh, fifteen dollar head set of headphones I used to record all my shit. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Someday, up, when you, someday when you uh, when you hit it big, when you win the the Legends Million Dollar Tournament. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you I'm, what. I'll make that deal with you. If you win the Legends Million Dollar Tournament, then you've got to buy yourself a new headset. If I win the next Invitational Tournament that that I get invited to, whenever that may be, uh, I'll buy a headset. <laughs> feel like it's a safe bet i mean well i mean look so here my record for the the tesl championship series is first place last place last place <laughs> fair yeah i've been in three of them i got knocked out in the first round twice and i went all the way and won once <laughs> yeah this last one was the first time that i was ever knocked out in the first round like i'd never I, I, you know um I tend to pride myself pretty well on tournament preparation. Like I know that I don't finish a ladder like super high on the ladder very frequently because I just don't play the volume of games necessary. I play less than 200 games on average each month because of my yeah. schedule. Yeah. But I pride myself in that like when I actually sit down and I try and especially when I know a tournament's coming and I prepare myself, you know, I go yeah. back to my old magic routines when I played that competitively and I usually yeah. do well. Um, this time, however, uh, I did not get a lot of notice. Like, legitimately like the night before like eight hours probably in between or whatever and i just i was ill prepared um yeah it, it, there's no excuse right like it's my it's my fault it's my mistake uh i i'm going to do my best to not let that ever happen again but uh i i will say that it was both humbling and really disappointing that i that was the first time i've been locked out of the first round of like any legends tournament i've been a part of I will say that when, if or when we get a leaderboard for Arena, the first month it's out, I will try hard and I will finish top 10. No questions. You say that now. No, I will. But you're going to finish 11th. No. Just under me. Oh, looks like I'm going to have to finish 9th, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, your 9th will look really good next to my 8th. I'll still be top 10 at that point. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, uh, there was a, this weekend, there was a, a gauntlet I even wanted to play in and I just couldn't. I was just, I was out of it. Yeah. The, uh, the gauntlet went pretty well. Um, I, I had a kind of disappointing performance at nine and three. Uh, all three of my losses were, uh, very like close nail biting losses. Um, there were certainly not like I didn't lose any game where I was just outright blown out. It was you know um, I lost to a support mage that lived like not not joking legitimately stabilized at one health. Uh, oh, yeah. I lost to a uh, a token mage that got a cloud rest illusionist uh, prophecy that saved him from lethal on the last rune, and yeah. then I lost a mirror match that uh, they. Uh, vastly outdrew me in terms of card quality and I still got him to where I was like two points off of lethal when it mattered so yeah. um, you know I finished nine and three and 
felt felt pretty good about that one. But yeah, the tournament thing. I'll, yeah. I'll be honest, that kind of bugged me. My my plan with the gauntlet was to take support mage. I mean, I went ten and two last time, and feel solid. I feel comfortable behind having any of the deck. Uh, Joe did it. Um, I think CBH starts on the fifteenth or sixteenth next week. Pretty sure it's next week sometime. Are you sure that's when he starts? I heard that. Uh, I heard they cut him. They let him go. They traded him to the Cleveland Browns. Is that how that works? I don't know. Let me check. I mean, I'm sure it's in our Twitter messages back and forth. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I heard that he failed his drug tests. That's why he's got guns. I heard he was doping. Dude, I'm scrolling through the the group chat between the three of us, and I have not gotten very far before I'm at a can of Clorox that says, Enjoy Clorox <laughs> to wash down those Tide Pods. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> we, are, we are nothing but, if not consistent. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm clearly like just. Oh, you're looking for the start date. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember if he had posted uh, his start date either, but yeah, I forgot what the clean of cor cl can of Clorox I sent you. No, that was in our group chat, the three of us. Yeah, well. God damn it, dude. That's what I do. We're going to find ourselves unable to log into our accounts one day after we say some smart shit to CVH. <laughs> it's Maricon we got to worry about. Yeah. At some point, at some point in the near future, we're actually gonna end up getting him on, and it will be the last thing we ever do for this game. That's true. That's true. Oh. By the way, people, you, we do have we do have some cool plans for guests in the future. We've been trying for a couple weeks now to get Hiking Emmerich on. Hiking Emmerich on. Um, he is like I don't know what time zone where that dude lives, but like it. Uh, it's been challenging to get him onto the show, but we've been working talking yeah. with him for a couple weeks. We've been reaching out to Beaky. Um, he talked to us once month ago, months ago about being interested in doing it, and uh, we just haven't been able to get back in touch with him. Who else have we been talking to? Are, I mean, are we allowed to say? Not the one that I think you're thinking of. No, we can't talk about Mueller. Oh, Robert Mueller? Well, he has no comment. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was talking about, but that was a good one. That was yeah. Good one. Yeah. By the way, we've made it about an hour and a half without making fun of Russia yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I made yeah. a, I made a doping joke. After oh. the Olympics, it's kind of like Russia. That's true. That's true. That's true. I'll take it. Yeah, hiking Emmerich and and Charmer and I have been talking for weeks yeah. now. The biggest uh, hurdle is the time zone there for sure. I don't know where that dude lives, but. <clears throat> between like he has like a full-time job and like his work schedule and like the fact he lives on the other side of the planet it's just been making it i was gonna say bit. based on the time zone change if i had to guess i think he lives in silent guard that makes sense we were gonna have to journey there yeah and we can't now because it it's uh more perilous to attempt right. said journey that's true and and unlike uh Ray Ray Barker, who's been on the show twice, like Ray Ray Barker just doesn't sleep, so it's pretty easy to get that guy on, despite the fact he lives in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Putin interview with Megan Kelly should be awesome. Yeah, that sounds like something I need to watch. 
but yeah, if you guys have other suggestions for guests, tweet them at us or tweet them at the person you want us to have so that they feel pressured to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Yeah, that, that one works. That one works. So uh, Pete Creighton asked, uh, Charmer, how do you usually prepare for a tournament? I've never played in one, but I might in the future and don't quite know how I should go about it. So um, I, I developed a strategy back when I used to play Magic competitively where the first thing that I would do is I would hunt for any information about what I would expect to see in the field, right? So like when you're going to go to a tournament, it really helps to know what kind of decks you expect to play against. That's number one. Like first and foremost, you need to know uh, what you expect to see, right? It's not like the latter where you're trying to kind of like have a well-rounded deck to deal with the best of one because you have no idea what you're going to queue into. In a tournament, you have a pretty good idea of what you, you're going to expect to see. So step number one is becoming very familiar with um, what you would expect to be in people's tournament lineups. You know, do you expect to see Token Mage? Do you expect to see, you know, Trader Joe, Mid-Grow Warrior, Start, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Once you've identified the most likely candidates that you expect to see, there are two things that I typically do. The first is I put games in on those decks. One, because if people are playing them, chances are they're really good potentially the best decks in the format and so you want experience on them but two i find that you find weaknesses in decks the best when you actually play them it's really easy to sit across from a deck that's kicking your teeth in and go that deck's really good i'd have you know blah 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 but when you play a deck and you lose a few times with a deck you know why you lost so um that's like learning process step two you put games in on the decks you expect to see and then step three is you then have to start uh, trying to uh, come up with or test ideas for how you can beat those decks, right? What can I do to give myself any sort of advantage over what I expect to see? Because that will that's how you basically like separate yourself. Now, it might be playing those same decks, but with a couple of tech choices. It might be bringing something radically different, right? Like if, if you expect like half the field to be tokens, then bringing something with Ice Storm is probably pretty good. But if you expect like, uh, you know, half of the field to be like mid-girl warrior, but you can do something that either gives you more reach or more like life gain to tip things just slightly in your favor, then then that's good as well. Um, but that's, that's the idea. Like you have to know what you're going to expect to play against. You have to be experienced with what's going to be in the field. And then you have to try to look for, um, you know, any sort of edge you can get against said field. Now, sometimes there, the, sometimes like, the decks are just optimized and the best chance is literally you just play the decks you expect to see. I know that's not the sexy answer, but there's a reason those decks are as refined as they are. Um, but that's usually my process. So, um, you know, I don't, you know, it's not like I, I uh, do it often because I, because of my time uh, restraints and so forth. It's not like I've played in every championship series, but the few times that I was able to participate, um, you know, back when Brad was running them and so forth, I was making the semifinals, I was making the finals. Um, and that's, that's usually how I, I go about it. I just wanted to make an announcement now. That's a great answer, by the way. So I'm not trying to take away from that, but I have an announcement that if I ever get invited to any more of these uh, Legends Championships things, I will bring all singleton decks. <laughs> I don't even doubt that. I hope you do. I will. I'm not, I'm not even upset at that. Yep. Um, so, Pete, to answer your question, the decks you expect to see are sometimes those predominant on the ladder. That's usually a pretty good indicator, but um, in a community like this that's small enough, uh, you kind of know who the participants are. So 
a lot of times you can try to run into them on the ladder, try to look to see if they've posted anything on Legends decks recently. You can, you know, if they stream, you can check them out there. It doesn't mean they're going to stream the decks they're playing, but you'll get a good idea for the decks they like to play. Um, you can check the top 100 finishes, uh, meta snapshots, uh, past tournament performance, you know, um, so on and so forth, right? Like there's a, a wealth of materials, especially today in the day of the internet. You know, back when I played uh, Magic competitively, like the internet was around, but the number of resources back then was was not um, as high. So like, I'm not even joking. Like when I wanted to prepare for like a state tournament or a regional uh, tournament, I would have to like travel to Friday night Magic events around the state to see what other people were playing. So basically make use of your resources. Good times. <clears throat> All right. Anybody else got any questions? <laughs> yeah, now that I sucked up uh, all of the time and took the wind out of Jason's, uh, Jordan's, uh, uh, what's your name again? I forgot you were even here. I, I'm just monopolizing this podcast. Who am I on no, with? You're, you're good. It's just that we reached that point where I just started phoning. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, hey. I took Took a bunch of medicine. Justin, do you think we'll see some more singleton support in the next expansion? That's a good question. Uh, I don't. No. I think we will inadvertently. That's the beauty of the singleton format. Every time new cards are printed, you see singleton support. You just That's only true. get to include one. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, I like, I, I posted on Reddit not so long ago that <clears throat> the fact that Crushing Blow and um, the blue one that does the same thing except to token creatures. <laughs> uh, reverberating Strike. Reverberating Strike. The fact that Crushing Blow and Reverberating Strike do the same thing uh, in a lot of cases, but completely different things in other cases, and they compete for slots in a deck. Like, I love those kinds of choices because deck building is, is one of my favorite things to do. So, like, redundancy of effects with slight variations will, in, like Charmer said, inadvertently make... Um, singleton decks more consistent, thereby elevating the power of the cards that you get rewarded for by for running singleton in the form of Morakai, Siege, and Set's Masterpiece or Masterwork. Um, and so, yeah, like over time, like with like in a card pool of 10 million cards, <laughs> it may be that singleton is the most powerful thing you can do. Um, if those cards are more powerful than the variance in your deck you're creating by running one crushing blow one reverberating strike right. and one x card that does something very similar uh so yeah you're right charmer is right about that but as far as cards actually refer to singleton i have my doubts that we'll see any more in the next set yeah i don't think so either just like it's kind of like alter right like i i know i've said this yeah. in the past but i think that the singleton cards are the forgotten hero collection version of altar of despair every time yeah. new cards are printed like altar yes. of despair gets new summon effects that it could take advantage of but like yes. altar is just the core and right. the singleton cards are the core i agree um am i feeling better yeah i'm i mean i'm feeling better like i'm not gonna lie i'm still feeling awful and i'm still sick but like i'm also heavily medicated and better than i was which was uh nightmarishly bad like honestly the sickest i've been since not including things i did to myself with drugs since i had swine flu back in the day yeah 
And swine yeah. flu was no joke. I had swine flu, and I was out of commission for, like, seven straight days. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty awful. I yeah. still have bronchitis, but that's just because of all the other things that I got. Uh, should you dust your singleton-centric cards? No. Well, I mean... Yes. Hear me I out. Don't, I don't tell anybody... I, 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 I prefer... One of the few things I'll just never say to anybody to do is to dust certain cards, because I just think, like... You never know, and like those are fun cards a lot of the times. And I, who's to say what's going to be good one day? So I never tell anybody to dust, dust anything. Yeah. So I'm going to take the other point of view. Hear me out. You see, for those of you who are listening in the future to the audio version, I'm holding up a Wabajack card. You see this Wabajack? If I don't dust this, this thing gets dusty as hell, okay? Somebody has to clean up the mess around here. Dust your God. cards. Now, God if you're damn. asking if you should soul trap your cards, no, absolutely not. The soul gems aren't worth it. You might want to do something in the future. But dusting them is important. Allergies are a thing. You might have guests with asthma. Yeah. Dust your shit. Good good uh, good point, Charmer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, it's been a, it's been weeks since I could dad joke it up in here, all right? This is what that you is, asked for. That is true. Uh Euro the Fox says, I wouldn't mind seeing items and actions that support tribal decks uh like uh, plus X plus X item for every goblin you have in play or something. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that I think that a tribal base expansion is probably on the short list of things to expect in the next year. I I think that's interesting. You know what's funny? Um, I was going off in the theory crafting section of my Discord with a few other people. We were going back and forth, and I was talking about um, I want to see supports. Mm-hmm that have like summon effects and last gasp effects and then uh-huh. like the equivalent of like darker birth but for supports yeah or you know what i mean like darker birth for supports would be interesting without any changes to the existing support pool right even without it but i or just like when i was thinking about last gasp for example i was thinking about like creating interesting damned if you do damned if you don't moments right like imagine a right. support that just says like at the start of your turn you gain one health Right. But it has a last gasp of, like, gain five health or something. So you have to, like, as right. as the other players say, like, do I want to blow this up and give them the burst, right. or do I try to outrace the incremental health? You know what I mean? Like, I like stuff like right. that. I agree. It reminds me of old pre-nerf... Pre... Well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that support card that used it, to have it, a last gasp? It, yeah. Was that in closed beta? Yeah, it was. All right. So another cool thing that I was uh, talking about in my Discord was I would also like to see support cards with prophecy. Yeah, I think that would be a really interesting because one of the big things that usually is like the drawback of many supports is simply um, you yeah. look at them and you're like they're not worth the tempo loss to play them. So right. like, what if you give them the chance at not creating the tempo loss? You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, I, I do like I, I think supports with. Uh prophecy would be amazing yeah completely unrelated to the topic i just want to say i looked over at my stream labels like uh list of like events that has happened and i don't know why i my i missed this uh but apparently somebody cheered for me a day ago hocus crocus did and it said here is a hundred bits for the sexiest dude in tessel i'd have your babies and i totally i totally missed that Congratulations. I, I've played against Hocus Crocus on the ladder numerous times in the last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did did you beat Hocus Crocus? 
I can't remember. I just remember laughing about the name both times. Yeah, don't don't beat them, okay? They're carrying my unborn children. <laughs> okay. What about a card that gives the top support card of your deck prophecy? That sounds awesome. That sounds like a really cool effect for a unique legendary. That sounds really cool, and I would play the shit out of that card. Support mage. Look, I think I'm surprised there's not more support mage as it is. I think the fact that games with support mage can take half an hour is the reason you don't see more of it. Because I think it's a really, really, really strong deck that can beat anything. I don't know. It's got it's got some matchups that are better than others, but I mean, I'll, I'll I mean it can beat anything, but I think any deck can technically beat anything. I will say, uh, unless it's the support mage variants that run support removal, I have had no problem with them on the ultra list. Yeah, because you just you draw way more cards than they do. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, alter can generate more value than support mage can without a great draw. Yeah. So it might be the, like the ultimate like bad matchup for the support. Mage yeah, guy. I think it might be uh, that and like warrior that runs all it runs douche and shadowfen and belligerent and. Yeah, look that that matchup's hard, but I mean, it's still I think it's still winnable. All right, Warrior Seven says it's tier four. Well, that's because right. that's because uh, like Warrior and some of those guys like run Warrior often, and Warrior can beat it pretty handily. So of course they think it's tier four. They stomp all over it all the time. Right. I mean, look. Here's the thing about tier list, right? Like. Yeah, we I didn't even I, I didn't even see half of the decks I play on those tier lists. So either I play tier nothing lists every month to legend, which is entirely possible, or um or they're just, you know, incomplete estimations. Yeah. Yeah, market decks can beat anything too sometimes. But uh, I mean I think there's I think market decks of I don't know. That, I, I don't think they I think market decks can just lose before they can go off. <laughs> that that combo so deck like, that Ray Ray plays in Assassin can absolutely beat anything, and I I love it when it goes off. Yeah. yeah. That market, thing it, mar market's another one of those cards though that gets better every time new cards are released. Yeah. It's one to keep an eye on. So does Thieves Guild Fence. Thieves Guild Fence is the first card I crafted. The second card I crafted a playset of when the expansion came out. <laughs> yeah, the first one was the uh, Agility Dragon, right? Yep. <laughs> Somebody played that against me not too long ago, and it was really good. And I was like, yeah, good job, man. <laughs> yeah, Ser Serpentine Stalker for the win. Absolutely. I was super impressed. Serpentine Stalker. It was, you know, it was, a, uh, it was that Dragon Archer deck, right? Yeah. And that's a pretty good deck. Um, yeah. Serpentine, Serpentine Stalker is delayed lightning bolt in that deck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I was playing. I, I think, actually, I think I was trying to cue in. So I was playing Support Mage in casual for fun. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want to. I was trying to think of decks that uh, Skeever Infestation is just unbeatable against. And I was like, oh my god. Skeevers are amazing against support mage. <laughs> so I just queued up a bunch of times with a Skeever deck with a bunch of card draw and Skeever infestation just like waiting to queue into support mage so I could grow 10-10 Skeevers or something. And it just never happened, man. But I did queue in a Dragon Archer and I lost. 
All right, I want you I want you to take the lead on this question. So Executive Game 45 asks, what's the best advice for someone who wants to hit legend for the first time? Play a really aggressive deck. I knew with that, uh yeah. I knew that that's what your jaded response was going to be. That's right. Well, look, when I really feel like laddering up quickly, I play orcs cuz like I'm familiar with it. I know what it can beat and what it can't beat. Um, you know, I, it depends how much time you have too, right? Like, yeah. I think support mage is a pretty good choice for laddering because you're going to beat everything besides the warriors pretty consistently. So, um, you could also play just like a stock mid-range, ag aggressive mid-range list version of any class, and I think do pretty well. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. So, usually my my answer would be find a mid-range list that you like, and then yeah. play that. I say that you like because they all play a little bit different and we all have our, our playstyle preferences, but the reason I would suggest mid-range is that mid-range mid just like kind of by definition in many ways is the archetype that you always at least feel like you're in every game, right? Yeah. You can you can try to race the control decks, you can like try to outvalue the aggro decks, like you're just kind of, I mean you're in the middle, right? Like you're kind of playing both sides. Yeah. Um, and then the, so the second piece of that is, is find a mid-range deck that you feel comfortable with and then just focus on playing a volume of games. When you sit down, don't say like, I wanna climb like a rank tonight. Say, yeah. I'm gonna sit down and play, you know, 20 games or 30 games. If you play the volume, you will eventually get there. The getting, the, the get to legend grind is entirely just about volume. Once you hit legend, yeah. it's a little bit different, but if you're just trying to hit legend for the first time, yeah. just play volume. And focus on that. Don't try to, like... I mean, well, your win rate is important and whatever because you don't want to play a deck that's just outright garbage, but don't yeah, focus yeah. on the win rate and whatever. Just play volume. Find something you're comfortable with and, and go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jodid asks, Justin, any hope for the theme of the next expansion? I hope we eventually get an expansion to Black Marsh where we can finally see Argonians in the spotlight. I would love to see a Black Marsh expansion. I'd love to see an Elsewhere expansion. I would, look, but I particularly want to see a Morrowind expansion. I want to see Silt Strider things. I want to see Dark Elves doing backstabby shady shit. Um, I want to see Morrowind first. That's my biggest one. The thing I want, the like when I think about Morrowind, I literally think about one thing, and that's Cliff Racer. So I just need more Cliff Racers in my life. Cliff Racer Tribal needs to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Skrillex Skrillexy says I like running Jazargo in my mid sorcerer deck. I think it's funny when I win because of him. Yeah, I can get behind that. Sure. <laughs> I've actually been thinking about replacing Galen in my mid sorcerer lately, and I haven't decided on with what yet. I really like him in some matchups, but he's becoming yeah. as as people learn to play around uh, certain things, he's becoming more yeah. and more often just a three three in that, and so. Yeah. Um, unless you're playing a control deck that where the game's going to go long and increase your yeah. chance of drawing the cards, I don't think he belongs there, but I don't know what I'm going to replace him with yet. Because I'm not a big fan of Lucian either. I know a lot of people I'm, love him, but... I don't really, I don't really like Lucian. I, I, think, I do think that Galen is one of those cards that's not bad in every matchup, but it like shines in control-on-control control or mid-range-on-control matchups. Yeah, honestly, this is going to sound weird, but where he's shined the most for me is against aggro. Like, really? I've like won, shuffling in next to Harpies or something? I've won more games because of Harpy and Barrow Stalker shuffles than anything yeah, yeah. else. Because I either get extra Prophecy or extra Guard Slash Life Gain. And that's it. Yeah. 
other than that, he's usually just like a three three for three, and it doesn't matter. So right. uh, I, I'm probably going to replace him, but I I do not know with what yet. I'm kind of on the hunt for ideas, or maybe I'll just throw in like one crushing blow. Who knows? That makes sense. I would actually not recommend playing Prophecy Battle Mage or Prophecy Aggro deck uh, if you're looking to ladder up quickly, because there are some decks that those decks cannot beat. Just like you just can't beat them with Prophecy Battle Mage deck or with a Prophecy Mage deck. Prophecy Mage is, I think, a stronger deck anyway, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> but those decks just lose sometimes, and like they have unwinnable matchups. Whereas like most mid range decks don't have unwinnable matchups. You want to see Scar the Emperor Crab? I would bet good money that we'll see a new Mud Crab in our next pack, pack base expansion. At least one. You can't bring yourself to play Spell Sword. It just feels off. I don't know, man. Spell Sword seems. I don't know. I I don't like how reliant mid range Spell Sword feels like it is on, um, random. Dawn's random uh, items being equipped to heroes, like or equipped to creatures. I'm not a huge fan of that card, and I uh, it feels like that's how I lose every time I lose against it. Yeah, I I've been thinking about trying to uh, make control spell sword work again recently. Would you, would you run ramp? No, I I don't think I would. Um, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I think that the, it's always so hard. Like, I think that it has all of the right tools to beat a lot of the really good decks that exist. It just doesn't have card draw. And I know that that's, like, the point, right? Like, because if it had card draw, it would likely be the best control deck, but... Yeah. Uh, Jay Silver asks, how many 1k gold packs did you buy and what did you get? I bought one of each set, and I got a Dragon Mound and a Wabajack as my legendaries. Uh, I bought three... And I got two duplicates. They were all from Core. I got two duplicates, so I don't even remember what they were because I ended up uh, soul trapping them. And then I got a Dramora Markinaz. Nice. Did you have three Dramora Markinazes yet? Because so you... it's one of those cards that, like, you know, would you... who has three of them? I mean, I have three. I, of them. I, I mean, I have three of them, but, like, I didn't have okay. premiums. So, like, that yeah. got me a premium one. I was disappointed to learn that if I play premium Dragon Mound in a deck with no premiums and I win the game, I don't get the Resplendent title. That was a heartbreaker for yeah. me. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, so... What are, uh, you know, what are some archetypes that you kind of hope get some support? So, like, if I'm sitting here saying, like, I kind of want to make spell sword control work. What's something that you hope gets support when we finally get some new cards? I'd like to see an, and I know you've been playing a lot of ultra assassin, but I'd like to see a, a six to 10 drop assassin card that like an Epic that I can run three of that really encourages assassin control in some way. So like an eclipse Baroness, something like eclipse Baroness. I mean, I know eclipse Baroness goes in assassin control, but like, I don't know, like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, an Ice Storm with Drain, I know that's unrealistic, but like, something along those lines that pushes me to play Assassin Control, I think would be interesting. Hey, I 
frequently try to make assassin control work, so I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah. Uh, what else? What other archetypes would I like to see have a turn in the spotlight? Um. Hmm. Well, I do think that I, I said like a year ago that I wanted to see more red cards that interacted with support cards. Um, red, like right now, their interaction is limited to having a number of them and uh, removing them. But uh, you know, you were talking about last supports with last gasp. Um, I think a dark birth for for a, for supports could be a red card. I think that that fits the matter. It fits in my mind, uh, and I'd like to see a reason to play support crusader instead of just support mage. Like I mean, I had success with support crusader, but I'd like to see that archetype get some love. Yeah, I mean that could be. I mean that could be uh, interesting for sure. Uh, what about you? I would like to see, like, in terms of just archetypes and, and so forth, um, I, I'm thinking about monks specifically, but honestly, just kind of in general, I would like to see some more agility, like, mid-range support that wasn't so heavily focused on the curse package. Because, yeah. like, right now, anytime I want to build, like, mid-range monk, mid-range assassin, mid-range anything with agility, I feel yeah. like the curse package is just so good tempo-wise that it's, like, kind of mandatory. Yeah. Um, I would like... I would like to see something else. I don't know what it is for sure. I feel like the movement stuff could be really fun to revisit or get some more support. I want an excuse yeah. to run Dune Smuggler again. Because yeah. um, there was a time where I put Dune Smuggler in everything, but that was yeah. before he was nerfed. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still sometimes forget that that card doesn't work the way I, I want it to. Yeah. Yeah, I do like the movement stuff. I'd like to, I mean, like if there could be a reason to play Grand Ball, I would be all for that. Yeah, stuff like that. I think that's something I would like to see a little bit more of. Uh, Jay, Jay Silver in chat says, aggro, pure aggro that is, is kind of dead in tussle. To that I say, it's time to fight. Because I've actually been streaming a lot of time to fight lately. Um, You know, I wouldn't mind, and it's crazy, because I, I mean, we all know I'm not a huge fan of aggressive strategies, but like, I wouldn't mind seeing more playable one-drops. I'd be interested to know what <clears throat> having more playable one drops would do to win rates with and without the ring. Yeah, I think I I wouldn't mind seeing more playable one drops because I also feel like that might make uh, it might even depending on how things shake out make certain control decks even better because you're more likely to like run out of re run your opponent out of resources. Like if you can stabilize yeah. that much sooner, you might be more right. consistent. You know having almost everyone's curve start at two, I think does push people towards more mid range stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think it would also encourage play for the, some of the one drops we already have that I think are pretty good. Like Deepwood trapper. Yeah. I mean, my curve starts at two in time to fight because it's usually Nord firebrand ring double scimitar. I, d I did that to somebody the other day. <laughs> sounds fucking disgusting yeah it, it really was and i know that you're thinking like there's so many ways you could punish that they didn't draw them that's awesome <laughs> i also had a relentless raider that uh i scimitared very early in another game and i think it didn't die till my opponent was at like eight or something like yeah yeah Honestly, that's a card that I don't think gets the respect it deserves i know that you know trader joe and the mid girl warrior stuff have been using it a lot lately but yeah. Um, for a long time, I have really felt like Steel Scimitar was underutilized, um, and people have 
vastly come around. Because Steel Scimitar is essentially the Firebolt of strength, yeah. you know? Except yeah. for its permanent stats. Whereas yeah, Fire, always... Firebolt's, you know, just like the one-time deal, so... Card's always been good. I know it's always been good, I'm just saying, like, it was always... Yeah. I, th I felt like it was always underrepresented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the history of Legends and how many decks ran Firebolt for forever. Right, that's true. And then how many times have you seen Steel Scimitar until kind of recently, you know? Immortal King, I, I like what your I like what your head where your head's at there with more interaction with the actions in the discard pile. Um, I can imagine a sorcerer card with last gasp playing action from your discard pile. I I wouldn't mind seeing more discard pile interactions in general, but maybe to tamper down some of the abusive effects, maybe it's like a cycle of cards or something that are. Um, very specific in their inter interactions. So think like Shouts 2.0, right? Where it's like, you know, for every one of these in my graveyard, it does an increased effect. And then maybe you have a series of like, return one of them back to my hand or, you know what I mean? So that it's like yeah. limited in scope so that you're not getting, you know, yeah. Dawn's Wrath back every turn. Right. Yeah, no, of course, of course. I, I mean, that's kind of why I, <clears throat> when just like, uh, you know, and the off the cuff idea was, make it a last gasp trigger so that you can't just perfectly set up your plays. Yeah. And I think that including a rider that you have to banish it immediately afterwards is important so you don't recur things that are annoying. You know, that's actually another thing that you could just outright consider is instead, um, maybe you could have like a support that on activation uh, does the equivalent of what flashback was in MTG, right? So like yeah. you activate a support and then you play a action from your grave and then you banish it when it's done yeah. right so I, I i want that that ability the ability to play actions from my discard pile to be a sorcerer ability how do you feel about that um i would say i know i know iron exists <laughs> uh no no, no I, I would say sorcerer is probably the best home because that's already where we get most of our uh discard pile interactions right so we have excavate right. that brings back supports uh, we right. have like Necromancer and Soul Terror and Falkreath Defiler and Endurance that brings things back from the grave. Um, yeah, yeah. So that makes the most sense. And if I was going to say a second one, then I would have said Battle Mage. Just because Battle Mage also. Yeah, um, I can see it in Battle Mage. You know, again, red is kind of that like rule setting slash rule breaking color in the pie. Um, right. So like maybe Battle Mage, but probably, probably Sorcerer. Last Titan suggests an Ice Storm that does more damage based on how many runes you're missing. Yeah, like a reverse uh, OG... Uh, Burn and Pillage, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I've been saying for a while, that's just a mechanic in general that I wanted to see. I think I even yeah. did an episode of The Forge. Is, uh, yeah, talked uh, about like reverse Rift and Pillager. Yeah, I, I think I was calling it like Berserk, basically. Yeah. But like I wanted creatures that were reverse Nords. So like Dawnstar healers and things... They reward you for being proactive, right? They do something when you right. break your opponent's rune. I want creatures that, you know, when an opponent breaks my runes, then they get a bonus, right? To make you, like, more right. resilient over time. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's kind of the same idea as Prophecy, but at least it's, like, you know, your opponent can see it and play around it, and it's not necessarily RNG, you know what I mean? But it's that same, like, kind of comeback idea mechanic. I like it.
card that transforms creatures in your opponent's graveyard. I mean, you can banish creatures from your opponent's graveyard. Yeah, but I kind of like the idea of the transform. I mean, I feel like that would be an endurance card. I mean, it'd be mummify. Yeah. Like, maybe you could call it mass grave or something. You know, like, just everything yeah. in your opponent's uh, graveyard becomes a mummy. I can see that. My head immediately went to humility, the magic card, right? Like, uh, how about a... <laughs> Like a 12-cost action that turns all creatures and all players' hands and discard files and decks into tutus. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I was thinking a large-scale laydown arms would even be fine. Yeah. yeah. You know? That would be interesting, actually. I appreciate that. I would enjoy that. I think that... It would be interesting against aggro. I think that the deck that gets that far in the game against aggro, the cards that it's already running in addition to that ridiculous card... Are a, gonna win it. Yeah, gonna I mean, win there's it. there's a lot of stuff that I think could just be really interesting in general. Like, we haven't seen any mass scale silences yet. So, like, yeah. you know, silence a lane, silence the whole board, you know, even especially if it's hitting both sides, I think that could be really interesting. Because yeah. you could play, you know, I think about silence a lane, right? So, like, you load up the field lane and you've got, like, you know, your, your siege engines and your you know, your yeah. seven sevens or whatever. And uh, then you silence a lane and it's both proactive and detrimental to your opponent. Like that's the kind of cool stuff I think would be, would be fun. Right. Yeah. There's the, the only th the closest you get to that sort of effect is totally unreliable and uh, not doesn't affect your own. Yeah. Nerth and chat is saying red Brahmin, but red Brahmin one silence and shackles and two, that's only opponent. I'm yeah. talking about a build around card for the, the self, silence mechanics that exist as well that is so. a deck that like never quite gotten there i mean like I, you yeah. know i've done the thing where i've tried to tutor up suppress with my goblin skulk and <laughs> yeah i mean i think, never... I think we've all tried it at some point yeah just never works out and yeah, it never really works out all right well look man i'm falling asleep here and uh my medicine makes me sleepy yeah, sure. It's the medicine. It is. You know, they, of course, they offered me, like, you know, cough syrup with codeine and this, that, and the other, and I was like, no, hold up. <laughs> you gotta find something that's not gonna get me all twacked out and addicted again. <laughs> so, no, it's just low-key boring stuff. Yeah. I've lost a bunch of weight, though, since I'm not eating much. Well, that's a pro, I guess. Yeah. If I keep bronchitis for another uh, another month, I'll be looking good. <laughs> I'm I'm slowly peeling the weight off again between the exercise yeah. and the uh, the new diet. Good, nice, nice work. But yeah, this was a great show. I'm looking forward to doing it again next weekend, and yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to all the legends announcements we'll probably be getting in the next month or so. So. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you all on the ladder. <laughs>